Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture, and thank you for joining us as we kick off another week. Hope you had a good and safe weekend. Please be careful. Take all the precautions you can. Stay safe. Stay well. Appreciate you being with us today. We're going to talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Planting season starting to get going now. I know in my area here in west central Illinois, field work getting underway and several other places as well. Other areas getting close. Some other areas, well, it'll still be a while. We'll get into all that with Bryce Anderson. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley will join us today. We'll talk about the COVID-19 situation, the government's uh, response and Uh, what he sees ahead from the government, and how agriculture can get more assistance during uh, the crisis. We'll talk about all that coming up on today's program. And we're also going to be taking a look today at the, as planting season is getting underway, the supply chain to farmers. How is that going uh, during this crisis? So all that coming up on today's program. But very happy to start things off with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, hope you're still doing well. Yes, Mike. Good morning. We're back in Missouri and uh, got in just before the state went into lockdown on Friday. So happy to be here sheltering in place. Well, that means you flew from California to Missouri. Uh, What was that like? Very many people on the flight? Oh, you drove. You drove. Okay. Yeah. No, we always drive. And there were a lot of truckers on the road trying to make commerce still happen in this country. But uh, not much else. Uh, there are really not a lot of people except in some of the more urban areas. We're still, of course, essential workers trying to keep everything moving. Uh, Ten people in one hotel we stayed in, and everybody was uh, at wet lines of where they had to stay apart when you're signing in. It's a different world, but we made it back safely. Yeah, the new normal that we're all trying to get uh, adjusted to. Well, as part of what's going on, of course, uh, this package that was passed by Congress, they're now trying to get it out to people, including to agriculture. And uh, there are a lot of requests and a lot of needs out there. Uh, how is this uh, playing out? And uh, have you, what are you hearing from those in agriculture about how that's going? Well, the needs are immense, Mike. As you know, there are folks from every different sector of agriculture who need help right now, primarily because the traditional supply chains that we set up that are very efficient and very effective are no longer valid as people can't go to restaurants and bars and some of their traditional places for food service. So, and of course, the schools being shut down as well. So what you've got is this huge demand through grocery And the federal government is trying to make it easier with labeling changes and that sort of thing for people to buy more products and get access to more products at grocery stores. At the same time, all those goods, fresh fruits and vegetables and a lot of other products that we're going into food service are trying to find new markets, and some of them aren't able to. We've got producers dumping fruits and vegetables, milk, you've seen some of that. So there's a a big push right now to try to get this federal assistance process program out that was uh, passed by Congress before they left and try to distribute to those most in need. Yeah, and the Paycheck Protection Plan, we talked about that last week uh, with the different folks about 
what's available to farmers and farm operations there. I mean, there are a lot of different things, but there's so much bureaucratic red tape to deal with as well. Well, there is. Um, you might have seen two things. One, we have a story on our website about what Farm Bureau is saying about how to roll out this assistance. And we've also talked to both the independent community bankers and Farm Credit about this Paycheck Protection Program. I actually talked to my local banker as well. And the problem is, Mike, is that they had only a week to turn this thing around, which is hardly ever happens in the federal government, and it had glitches. Uh, the first application that came out was updated a day later, and so people had to get the latest application. And then the bankers who are responsible and the farm credit groups are responsible for submitting the application could not get access to the website. So you couldn't actually send it into the federal government. And it's a first-come, first-serve application, and if you don't get in early, the odds are that you won't get any, at least in what's expected to be the first tranche. So there's there's a lot of hiccups right now for people who so badly need this assistance in order to keep their farms and their ranches running. You know, we often focus on what's going on in Congress is they try to pass bills and in this case assistance and that's a big challenge just getting them uh, to agree and get something done but then there's that next step which is what we're seeing now and that is how cumbersome uh, the bureaucratic uh, governmental system can be and actually what's passed in Washington actually getting uh, out to, uh, to people on you know in the country and throughout the country that are in need it's it's a big process no, it absolutely is. These federal regulations are not designed for speed, and you know there's going to be bumps along the road. Uh, so we can only hope that in the next few days that they'll get some of this figured out and at least can upload the applications and get that money out. It, it's uh, going to be quite a big help for those who are right at the edge of their financing. So we continue to monitor that. Meanwhile, some other things uh, happening that uh, we're also keeping an eye on. Uh, with so much attention always on China, they are buying. They are buying uh, our ag commodities, aren't they? They are. Well, we had a nice interview with Tim Lust, the CEO of the National Sorghum Producers, and sorghum has been a winner here. We've also beef and pork exports are moving. Corn, a uh, big purchase that we wrote about. So uh, they are starting to buy, and certainly as their economy recovers, that could be one bright spot for American agriculture is that they'll come back in and start to deliver on more of their phase one promises. We still have to kind of wait and see, trust but verify, uh, but um, we really think that this could be some part of a solution for what are really struggling markets for most people in agriculture right now. Meanwhile, here domestically, we know our biofuels industry is really getting hit hard. It is, and and that's uh, sad not only for the corn growers and the soybean folks who are looking at ethanol and biodiesel sales as being an important marketing opportunity, but for those rural communities that are suffering mm -hmm. because those are the jobs for a lot of small towns. And you know, Mike, in, in your area as well as where I'm at now, you go through these small towns, and the ethanol plant has been a really bright, shining star, the biodiesel plant. And when those things get shut down, it, it really hurts uh, uh, in a kind of a ripple effect across a lot of rural areas. 
Sure does. It's a loss of market for farmers. It's a loss of jobs, and that does ripple throughout the, the rural economy in these communities. All right, Sarah, we'll stay safe. Glad you're back home, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Great. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Well, as I mentioned, uh, field work uh, starting to uh, get going. What kind of week will it be weather-wise? What areas will be most likely to get some field work in while other areas will have to wait? We're going to talk about that with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF. That's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's go to the weather bunker and talk with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. How are you, Bryce? Mike, I'm, I'm sheltered, and, um, and so far, uh, things are going quite well. And I hope that everyone uh, is in the, the same situation right now. I saw some encouraging signs around me yesterday here in West, West Central Illinois. I was looking out, uh, I was on my deck yesterday, I looked out uh, to the field behind me, and I saw some dust out there, and sure enough, there was a tractor out there, and I've talked to several farmers and heard of others uh, here in uh, Central Illinois that are started, getting ready to start, or will be uh, very soon this week probably, so uh, it's starting to happen. I know some other places as well. What kind of weather are we going to have this week uh, to uh, allow more of that to take place? Well, before I, I fill in with some details, uh, I'd like to add to that in, in terms of some, uh, some documented uh, corn planting uh, that happened in uh, southern south-central Indiana as well. Mm. And uh, so that, you know, that, that all kind of speaks to the fact that things are a little bit better on the weather scene uh, than we had a year ago in some parts of the country. Uh, this week is going to be a pretty mild week to begin with. Uh, today and tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, are going to be overall on a warm note and fairly dry, uh, except for some kind of scattered uh, rain showers in parts of the uh, far northern Midwest and uh, in some areas of the southern plains and, and in the western Midwest. But we're talking about pretty light uh, precipitation, not, not a real heavy round of activity. But, uh, Mike, there's a, a pretty strong and cold upper air trough of low pressure that right now is bringing some rain and snow to California that's going to steadily move eastward during the next five days. And along with that, there's a big pool of really quite cold air out of the Canadian prairies that's going to move south and southeast. And so we're going to have our temperatures uh, move from a lot of uh, above normal values, especially east of the Mississippi, uh, to uh, normal to mostly below normal 
during not only the next uh, six to ten day period, but actually all the way through the next uh, two weeks. And so after tomorrow, we're going to have uh, cooler to colder conditions, and uh, precipitation is still going to be pretty light over much of the Midwest into the plains. But uh, it is going to be, I think, uh, more of a challenge to, uh, you know, to have conditions develop to where field work can continue because of a colder temperature pattern. Fortunately, it is going to be pretty much on the dry side here in the central and the north central parts of the country. Uh, so that's not going to add to things. But I think we are going to see some slowdowns. What about for the folks in the uh, northern uh, Midwest? Because I know they've they're still been dealing with. Even last week, uh, in places like in North Dakota, they had quite a bit of snow. Yes, they did, and uh, the the snow melt is is going on. So there's um, there's you know flooding, river basin flooding along the entire Red River Valley uh, because of that. And it uh, this week is going to bring some uh, locally moderate flooding, and that's going to continue uh, during this week. Um, again, the the um, the positive uh, detail is that it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of additional precipitation uh, with this uh, pattern that we've got coming on. Uh, so that you know that doesn't uh, dry things out quickly, but it does uh, maybe at least offer some uh, thoughts that there's not going to be just a long-standing round of uh, slow and uh, real wet conditions as we look ahead to the um, middle to latter half of the month of April here. I was talking with someone yesterday about soil temperatures here in central Illinois actually being uh, warmer than uh, what we thought they might be for this early in April. Have you been hearing much about soil temperatures around the Midwest? Heard some of that. Um, it's not a, a, a surprise, uh, given that in uh, in quite a bit of the eastern Midwest, I would say certainly north of Interstate 70, uh, the uh, precipitation hasn't been quite as heavy uh, during the past uh, several weeks. And in fact, uh, the the winter and early spring uh, temperature pattern uh, was not consistently on a colder side. Uh, so you combine maybe a little bit of a a reduction in the precip uh, that offers uh, somewhat of a drier trend and then put some warmer temperatures on. And, and it certainly is, uh, is possible for that soil temperature to warm up. And you know, as we get here into the uh, farther into springtime, uh, you know, the daylight length allows for that more intense sun to do its work. And so that's uh, a real positive development. I mean, uh, you think about a year ago when it was just uh, consistently colder and wetter. It is a big change from what we had then. Yeah, for some, it's a much better situation than a year ago, as you point out. So got this window here, especially early this week, then, as you said, getting colder. Uh, what's your longer-range forecast for the last half of April? Well, I think that we're going to have temperatures that still are generally on a near-to-below-normal track, and a lot of that has to do with the influence of this uh, next two weeks on that trend. Uh, it's going to be pretty hard to just completely turn that around uh, getting into the uh, last half of the month. I, I do think that we're going to see temperatures rebound into a near to above normal track over the southern part of the country, but over the northern north central areas, uh, we're going to stay near to below normal. 
there still is a lot of soil moisture that has to, you know, kind of evaporate, get out of the ground. When it does, it uh, tends to cool uh, the atmosphere over the uh, surface of the ground. Uh, so that uh, is going to, I think, be a kind of a barrier, if you will, toward warming things up notably. I'm still uh, pretty hopeful that there's going to be a, uh, a fair amount of uh, crop that gets uh, planted uh, during April and uh, quite a bit by the end of May, which is in and of itself a big change from a year ago. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, uh, let's take a look at South America. What's their weather like? The uh, circumstances are looking more favorable in uh, Brazil this week because there's going to be at least uh, some uh, variable precipitation in central Brazil should offer some um, soil moisture benefit in Mato Grosso for that second corn crop, and I think that that's uh, a pretty favorable uh, prospect, you know, for that part of the world. Southern Brazil and Argentina are going to be pretty dry, uh, so, you know, I don't think their uh, crop conditions are going to improve uh, notably at all. We know that uh, in southern Brazil especially, the soybean crop is going to be the lowest in four years, and Argentina is going to just uh, kind of match uh, what it produced last year for row crops, and this week isn't going to offer much of an improvement there either. Any other key production areas around the world uh, as far as any weather problems? Well, Russia is certainly getting more attention now the farther we get into spring. And the southern district of Russia that's right along the Black Sea and is between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, big uh, winter grains area, they were uh, short on precip during March, down about 75% from average. And uh, this week is not offering very much of anything uh, for moisture in that part of the world and i think this is getting more attention as we continue on into april because uh, it's a it's a big grain area and we know that russia has become a a pretty uh, big competitor in the world uh, grain export business and right now uh, i think there's uh, some concern mike about how how well that uh, springtime precip is going to be over this uh, key part of the russian grain belt all right, Bryce, so um, some cooler weather on the way later this week uh, for the Midwest, but maybe not uh, not a lot of precipitation? No, it doesn't look like it. Uh, I think precip is going to focus mainly in the southern rim of the Great Lakes, you know, so northern Indiana, northern Ohio, into Michigan. And um, most of the moisture is going to be in the south and southeast. Uh, so that part of the country is, I think, uh, going to still be fairly uh, – you know, fairly challenged on getting uh, a lot of field work done. We know that Mississippi and Arkansas are quite a bit behind average on corn planting already. And so if there's any real uh, wet weather problems this week, I think it's going to be in the south and the southeast. So it sounds like uh, maybe then a good part of the Midwest may get some field work, quite a bit of field work done this week. I, I think there's going to be some. Uh, and, again, uh, it's it's a lot better uh, situation at least to get things started out than we saw a year ago or uh, we were afraid we were going to be uh, when we got through with last year yeah we'll take the we'll take some good news and some normalcy that's for sure all right stay safe stay well bryce they're in the weather bunker take care okay mike thanks good to talk to you 
the DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, we're going to talk with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley next about the government's response to COVID-19. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Always happy to have with us Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, who joins us now. Senator, thank you for being with us. Hope you are safe and well. You probably know that I'm at my farm in Iowa because the Senate is closed down this week for Easter break. But we had last week off, and we may not go into session until this pandemic. Uh, we see a path to the end of that, so uh, at least April 30th. But right now we're scheduled to go back April 20th, but it wouldn't surprise me that would be extended. The package and by the way, you my, staff, yeah. my, staff is, my staff is working uh, in their homes in Washington, uh, so everybody uh, can be contacted, just not through my uh, office, although you can use my uh, regular uh, phone number, 202-224-3744, uh, and it's uh, forwarded to other people in their homes. Go ahead, sir. Very good. So the work continues even though you're you're socially distanced. Um, the package you passed, uh, uh, Congress passed before you uh, uh, headed back home, uh, we're now dealing with trying to get it out to people, and that process is underway. Uh, what are your thoughts on how it's going? We're hearing about some hiccups and some uh, backups and slowdowns. Uh, what are your concerns? What are your thoughts on getting this money out to those who need it? Well, for instance, the average time for an SBA loan is, is at least 30 days. So there were 13 loans out, I think, by Friday, as an example, and that was only into one week. So it's being short-circuited by the small business people getting the form off of the computer, filling it out. It's one page, taking it to your local bank if they have a relationship with SBA, and it ought to be processed very fast. What about for agriculture? I know that uh, there there's money there for agriculture, but there are a lot of ag groups are making requests and, and what they what assistance they can get. Uh, what are your thoughts on how you hope this will go for agriculture? Okay. Well, number one, uh, I haven't heard farmers apply for uh, what we just talked about, the small business provisions, but under certain conditions, uh, family farmers uh, might uh, qualify for that. They'll have to look that up for themselves. But uh, I can speak more appropriately to the $14 billion that was put into the Commodity Credit Corporation for the usual things that were just used for 
if the Secretary of Agriculture decides the needs there, and I'll bet he will decide the needs there for what we did uh, in regard to China tariffs, and uh, it could be now used because of the pandemic and the slowdown of the economy and the horrifically low prices that corn and soybeans are right now. And then there's nine and a half million dollars for livestock and specialty crops. Uh, that's new, and uh, and there's added language uh, in our bill to help livestock farmers. Do you anticipate there being a fourth stimulus package passed? Well, I'll tell you what we were thinking two and two and a half weeks ago when we put this bill together. It was that we were thinking, uh, looking ahead three months, hopefully the pandemic's over, the economy is started up again, but we didn't know that two and a half weeks ago. We still don't know it today, and we thought if it isn't, then we have to be back here doing exactly the same thing we were probably doing and maybe even learning a lesson from this uh, CARES Act uh, and correct them in previous acts. Uh, and we're still in the process of making that determination. But it seems to me that here for uh, 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 at least six weeks out of the three months, we're probably in a wait-and-see environment. But uh, we'll probably have uh, six weeks ahead of this act uh, playing out uh, to decide whether we need, need to do more. But it will be based upon the circumstances at that time. Because the whole goal of the bill was that governments, federal, state, and local shut down businesses. We shut down the economy. And uh, it's government's responsibility to help the economy recover. I wouldn't call it a stimulus because we don't have much of an economy to stimulate now. We have to recover and then decide from that point on. And, uh, and that's exactly uh, what we're doing. But we'll wait and see how this plays out. Uh, for probably a six-week period of time. We got unemployment ahead for uh, for four months. We've got uh, these other bills, uh, like the $350 billion for small business, uh, for the next uh, uh, two months, I think. And uh, it looks like that's going to run short, so that's probably something that would have to be beefed up, as an example, if we have a fourth one. And... Uh, we're uh, otherwise we're uh, we're going to just play it by ear. If you have a fourth CARES bill, can you keep it focused on direct assistance from the coronavirus and not have it become uh, the Christmas tree that some tried to make this last one and, uh, into? I know you were able to get some things out of there, but there were still a few things that stayed in that, for most of us, didn't seem like they were really coronavirus related. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot in there that wasn't uh, related. Uh, there was a lot of other ideas that would have changed permanent law, even voting law, if you can imagine that. So there's a feeling among some people in Washington, you got a crisis, you got to take advantage of it and play it for all you can, uh, change our society, what some members of Congress were saying. Uh, but... Uh, uh, for my part, you just tend to the immediate problems we have before us. 
uh, any changes in existing law or existing processes, they need to be decided in regular order. You shouldn't take advantage of a crisis to uh, get things done that wouldn't otherwise get done. <clears throat> There's a lot of... Um scrutiny right now on the cattle market and concerns about how the cattle market has been functioning and some talking about an investigation by Congress. Have you uh, heard anything about that? Are you in favor of uh, uh, an, an investigation looking more closely into how it's performing? I would be definitely in favor of Congress doing that. I've written a letter to the Secretary of Agriculture, Attorney General Barr, to investigate uh, is there any violations of the Packard and Stockyards Act? Is there any violation of the antitrust laws? Um, I'm interested in uh, in why uh, uh, three or four corporations that have about 76% of the processing of uh, meat are uh, you can have prices drop from $120 down to $90 in a short period of time. The price at the supermarket goes up. Uh, it, it, I just it, it irritates me that people take advantage. We don't have a, a very good market for independent producers. Uh, we've got uh, 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 arrangements between packers and some uh, big uh, feedlots uh, that uh, that does harm, uh, and uh, and all this stuff needs to be looked into. But it also uh, in the meantime, because farmers are being hurt, that's why we put the nine and a half million dollars into the CCC, nine and a half billion dollars into the SEC, uh, CCC, in order to uh, uh, help farmers overhump this beyond no control of their own. Because the government has shut down uh, business because uh, of the pandemic. Senator, one of the things that has come out of this made painfully aware to us is how dependent we have become upon China. Of course, we, we look to them as a big market for our ag products. That's uh, certainly uh, very important. But we have realized how dependent we become, even now in this crisis, for them to provide us uh, with uh, medical supplies. Do you think one of the things that will come out of this will be a stronger move to bring back manufacturing, bring back jobs back to the U.S.? Yeah, but I'll repeat what I said. When we have to pass temporary legislation to get the economy back going, we shouldn't try to do that through that legislation. But, yes, when you get about 80% of your <clears throat> pharmaceutical supplies from China, some of it is pills that a you know, consumer can immediately take, but most of it, I think, is ingredients that we use in making pills. We shouldn't be dependent upon China. Uh, particularly considering now that China has lied to us about the number of uh, incidents they've had of the virus and uh, and things like uh, things like that. Uh, and I don't know what this other phone is here. Um, <laughs> a lot, a lot uh, of people wanting to, wait, to talk so with I'm, you. I'm on AgriTalk. Uh, go ahead, Jeff or Adam. So- Senator, we're going to let you go. We know you got another call there. We'll let you go. We're about out of time anyway. Thank you for being with us, sir. And we'll stay safe, okay? And we'll stay in touch, okay? 
Okay. Senator getting a lot of calls, a lot of people wanting to talk with him, as you uh, can well imagine. All right, so we appreciate him taking time to, to be with us. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the supply chain to farmers as they're going to the fields this spring. Any disruptions there from COVID-19, from fuel to other inputs? We'll be talking about that next, so stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices, but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications, and it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Earlier in the program, we talked about farmers in the fields, some about to go to the fields, and of course, uh, usually we're just focused on the weather this planting season. We have a lot of other things to focus on from COVID-19, so it's it's a different situation than ever before so many extenuating circumstances that can impact that are impacting all aspects of our lives even farmers going to the fields will they have the inputs the supplies they need how's that supply chain working we talk a lot about the supply chain of getting food to consumers what about the supply chain of getting needed inputs to farmers so they can get to the fields this spring including fuel let's talk about that with jason schwantz senior vice president refined fuels for chs jason thank you for joining us uh we know fuel prices are down but what about uh that's that's good news uh, for those buying but what about the availability and and supply and and getting the fuel to the farmers as they head to the fields any uh, disruptions so far uh, Mike, thanks for having me on. Uh, there are not any disruptions as of yet. Uh, uh, with all the shut-ins, though, and things like that states are doing, there is a little concern. You know, uh, Refineries produce both gasoline and diesel fuel, and we needed to keep enough gasoline moving to make sure we can get that diesel fuel to where the farmers can use it. So there is some concern there, but right now our terminals uh, are sitting in a healthy spot, you know, and like you said, I think it's some advantageous prices for farmers. Uh, I think if you have some space on the farm, it's probably a good idea to get that tank filled up. Of course, the key, especially at planting time, is is does everybody need something at the same time? Uh, hopefully that'll be kind of spread out enough that maybe there won't be that, uh, that you know, everybody wanting at once, that's when you you get into some problems or can be some tightness and some challenges. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think if you look at kind of the entire country, you know, it, it typically starts from south to north and goes, you know, works its way up there. And uh, we're seeing that now. It's kind of a, you know, a little bit earlier spring. The snow has melted. The south is kind of getting started. We're starting to get further up north. And, uh, you know, if you look at North Dakota, got some snow there, probably going to slow it down, things down there a little bit, take a little bit to dry out. But uh, I think we're going to see kind of a, you know, more even typical spring that we'd like to see, which is good for the supply chain. And uh, I think, you know, diesel fuel is going to be available for people. So the supplies there, did farmers uh, stock up, book ahead, fill those tanks ahead, or did they kind of wait to see how it was going to play out? Uh, no, uh, we have seen that a lot of farmers have taken advantage of this. I think they kind of look at their budget and they say, you know what, there's a fuel price I like. I'm going to fill my tanks. I would encourage, like I said, I think this is an opportunity for people to take advantage of, farmers to take advantage of, you know, keep that input cost down and uh, fill their tanks up and, and keep filling it, you know, and keep, keep on the full side. Have you had any problems with keeping your workforce healthy during this crisis? You know, uh, at CHS, safety is one of our main initiatives, and uh, so far we've been very lucky. Uh, we are trying to keep our employees safe. We're trying to keep the cooperatives safe. We're trying to keep the customers safe. I think we're taking some different measures. Uh, if you look at when the cooperatives are delivering fuel, there may be you know, a lot less. They're going to practice the social distancing. They're probably just going to leave the bill uh, right by the tank. They're not going to, it's going to be more of a wave. It's not going to be the typical uh, stop and see anybody anymore. But I think people are making changes and they're getting used to it. But uh, we've been fortunate. We have not seen uh, anything yet and uh, very fortunate on that front. So no problems in delivery of fuel. No problems in delivery of fuel. I will admit we have gone through scenario planning to make sure, you know, if somebody does come down with it, they take their 14 days, but we've got, you know, backups in place, contingency plans in place to make sure that fuel keeps coming to people. And that's key, isn't it? I mean, about everyone I talk to, they say, okay, here's our situation now, but we have to plan for worst-case scenario uh, down the line, the possibility of what could happen, we have to be ready for it. No, you are right on. It's all about making sure that you have a plan in place and you execute that plan. Hopefully you don't have to use it, but you got to be ready just in case. Any thoughts on where this price is going? I mean, uh, as you mentioned, uh, lower than we've seen in, in some time. Um, and we keep hearing about, you know, the oil wars going on in uh, other parts of the world impacting the price. Uh, any thoughts on where we're headed with this? You know, I, I think if you look at crude oil is uh, down in that $20 something, $20, $24 range. I think that's kind of, you're seeing, you know, a bottom on it. Uh, gasoline, uh, that's, if you look at it relatively to historical prices and figure inflation, this will be some of the cheapest prices of gasoline we've ever seen. Uh, the one that has had some strength, and I think it's because of you've got the farming season coming, you've got all these people trying to make deliveries of products, I think you're going to see a little strength in diesel fuel that we're going to see. I think mostly we were hitting kind of, I'm not going to say that bottom, but I don't know how much lower the prices can really go. Uh, I think, but on the, if there's one price that could go down it, some more, it'd be gasoline. The rest of them, I kind of think we've hit a bottom. 
All right, Jason, thanks a lot. Uh, just wanted to stay in touch with you and uh, make sure that the the supply chain is still open and going and sounds like it is, so that's good news indeed. And uh, for our farmers going to the fields, the price on diesels is good news too at a time we need all the good news we can get. Thank you very much, Jason. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. Take Stay care, safe. Jason. You too. Jason Schwantz, Senior Vice President, Refined Fuels for CHS. Just looking at some numbers here put out, uh, put together by Politico about how things are changing as far as how we're eating and accessing our food. In 2018, Americans spent about 6.78, oh no, 678, 678 billion dollars at full service and fast food restaurants compared with 627 billion at grocery stores and warehouse clubs. Now, the National Restaurant Association expects the industry will shed $223 billion over the next few months, along with some 5 to 7 million jobs. Stay safe, everyone. Join us tomorrow on AOA. Weeds want to restrict your freedom and crush the spirit of your soybeans. Never fear. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of superior weed control is here with Liberty Herbicide. Stand proud with greater application flexibility, unmatched convenience, and excellent performance combined with the Liberty Link, Liberty Link GT27, and Enlist E3 trait systems. And it has no known resistance in U.S. row crops. Talk with your BASF rep or authorized retailer about Liberty Herbicide. Always read and follow label directions.